Bring the ship up to broadcast depth. We're going in. Into the hideouts. Our country is now in the beginning of the Great Regression. Major steps are being taken backwards because those who are afraid have hijacked the government and the media. They fear diversity, creativity, and the questioning of authority. Now, more than ever, it is time to unite in a place where you can still be yourself and the freedom of expression continues to exist. Enter the hideout and be heard. What, what, what's new? What are you doing, F.A.? Oh, what's new, J-Dub? I'm just hanging out. Welcome to the Hideout Road Radio 104.1, the place to hang out. With me, El Jefe, and that J-Dubs. Why don't you hang out as well? Come 407-916-1041, and Star1041. If you have a singular wireless phone, that's how you get a hold of the Hideout. Um, J-Dubs, tonight, that is Chunks, the executive producer of the Hideout. He is uh, booked a couple of great guests that I'm very excited about telling you. Um, completely opposite ends of the spectrum tonight in the hideout, but good nonetheless. Very good, very good uh, job for Chunks. Also, the newly, uh, freshly working out Chunks. More on that story in just a bit. Tommy Bateman is homesick with the second case of the bird flu here in the hideout. Unlike me. I still showed up for work. He decides he's going to stay home in bed um, because he ate some bad chicken. So um, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe there is bad chicken. Manning the talk and roll controls over there is Deuce Childerone, and that is Putin, the unpaid producer. He's the one who, quote-unquote, screens your phone calls at 407-916-1041 and 888-978-1041. And sitting in learning from everybody, former heretic, Turned Clear Channel employee, Mad Matt Mateo. So and, nice, and he was actually producing before the show too. So I'll even get—he's already uh, one step ahead of everyone else on that side of the glass, well, especially Jerome. Yeah, except for Chunks. Chunks what? is actually doing some good stuff. <laughs> By the way, I am manning the AOL Instant Messenger Real Radio Hideout. Real Radio Hideout is the AOL Instant Messenger dubs. The biggest news story of the day, however, I am uh, wary to talk about it before 10 o'clock, is the fact that oral treats have been linked to mouth cancer. So when a loving couple are engaging in oral treats, they uh, they have a chance of uh, getting mouth cancer, huh? I have the complete story for you, and I will refute it all at the same time. My first lead in that this is false Information and that it is not true comes in the mere fact that the woman who did the study uh, is that indeed a woman and her name is Kirsten. So anyone named Kirsten, A, probably likes it, and B, uh, I don't know. I really, it, it actually drives me insane. Well, if any girl wants to uh, put a dip in, you just call me. I'll show you mouth cancer. That's going to be the new thing, too. Hmm. Uh, you want to smoke my cancer stick? Hmm. No, I, 
You look like good with uh, something right in front of your lip right there. I think uh, I think I know what we can do for you. I mean, it might cause cancer, but it feels oh so good. This tastes better than chaw. <laughs> I don't know. Chaw tastes pretty good. So anyway, we will uh, we will get into that study and the details of it. Also coming up tonight, J Dubs. I know you were a huge fan of the Detroit Lions, even though mm-hmm. they constantly let you down. Um, especially when it comes to bets that you make with various radio personalities around the nation, and it ended up in you getting a tattoo of another every team's logo. Time. Yeah, every single time. Uh, Dubs, apparently uh, there was an investigative report of all of the food violations that are at various football stadiums. and Around the NFL? Around the NFL. The big one, the biggest offender seems to be Lambeau Field. Oh, I mean, that place is just falling apart as it is, and all those cheeseheads out there, they don't know what they're eating. It's so damn cold, they just want something warm. However, there also was an issue with uh, Ford Field. Oh, really? In Detroit. I had food there. That was terrific. Surprise, surprise. I'll, I'll tease you with the biggest one that happened at the um, defending champion New England Patriots. Oh, really? Here's uh, I'll just give it to you right here. Blood dripping into the beer kegs. Ah! Better not be the Brady Burger. That thing better be safe. Uh, tonight also... Uh, you know, I wondered what gave that guy a stroke. It's the food over at... Uh, Brewski? Yeah, Teddy Brewski had a stroke because of the food over at... Uh, I don't even know what their stadium's called. I think it's uh, Fox. Is it Fox? It's in Foxborough. Foxborough. Yeah, let me see what it is. I think it's just Foxborough Stadium, isn't it? I think it is actually just Foxborough Stadium. No, Gillette Stadium. Yeah, it is. Is uh, Gillette um, sponsors that one against the Hideout Row Radio 104.1 tonight? Dubs, you need to shave your tongue after you eat that food. At uh, at 10 o'clock, we will chat with Madam Monkey from MidnightMonkey.com, N-I-T-E, our sex expert. And tonight's subject is: is it introducing porn into your relationship, or is it is pornography cheating? Which uh, one is it, John? It's uh, is is pornography cheating if you watch it and you get excited. Watching it, and you know, and I've cheated many a nights. Yeah, and uh, whether or not you should feel guilty or not, or is it healthy to watch it in a relationship? Various uh, stuff like Just that. Just about porn and uh, being in a relationship. Basically. So that's yep. an hour four of the hideout tonight. However, in the second hour of the hideout, in just about an hour, we'll be talking to the senior political writer for the Dallas Morning News and co-author of Bush's Brain: How Karl Rove Made George W. Bush President, and the book Rove Exposed. How Bush's brain fooled America. In the hideout tonight, Wayne Slater. Now you got look at this. This guy's been on Meet the Press, Crossfire, Inside Politics, well, Bill gl- O'Reilly Show. Well, I'm glad he's able to uh, step up to the big leagues and be on the hideout. It's enough of those minor league shows. It's time for him to step up and be on a, a truly great radio program. So we will chat with Wayne Slater here in about an hour about Carl Rove. Who they are now saying, it's getting out there, he may have been the guy who originally told Bob Woodward about Valerie Plame. That's just being floated. That's what's being floated right now. Because Woodward came out and said, hey, I knew about this before the whole Libby thing. And they're really? saying that it, it, the speculations, because he won't give up the source, is that it's Rove. Oh, there's Rove now entering. I think he's a good guy. He just hasn't understood the power. It's just, 
the thing about Rove, and I don't even know if Wayne will want to get into this, he looks like the Antichrist. He, yeah, he uh, he definitely has a like just cold look to him. He he has a emperor look. He has. You, you put that uh, robe on him, and maybe it's because he looks like a creepy old fat baby. <laughs> Hot? No, not at all. Hey, speaking of fat babies, I was surprised to learn this, Dubs. Did you know that Roger Ebert is apparently the reason? Why Oprah Winfrey is so successful. And on top of that, the two of them dated or went out on a date. Apparently, Oprah Winfrey and Roger Ebert? Um, yeah. The two of them. Imagine that sex. That's exactly the first thing that I had written down. Could you imagine what was bumping at that time? I mean, you know that Oprah wasn't the best looking. La- uh, lady in the world when that was going on she uh probably that was probably one of her fat stages and that's why she was uh going out with roger ebert right you know ebert never got some good tail no matter how much he was on tv all right bong swat brings up a good point about carl rove for a second he goes he looks like the typical kid toucher yeah in fact there's a story i want to tell you about too a little bit later on about this guy who's running around asking if he can change the diapers of women he says he's a professional diaper changer I can't believe I made it in the news. Finally. Now you're in the big time. So anyway, J-Dubs, um, back to this. Apparently what happened is Oprah goes out with Ebert mm-hmm. very early on in her career, like literally two decades ago. And I guess over the dinner or the date, Ebert's the one who put her or helped put her in touch with the syndicators. Now, the syndicators, remember the old show with mm. uh, e- Siskel and Ebert? Yeah. So that old show... I wonder where he put the thumbs up. Two of them. Ugh. There's so many places you could probably put it on that body, too. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I'm saying the back. I think she could jam two thumbs up her back and just kind of play a video game with it. But I'm thinking literally like rolls. Yeah. I mean, there's just a lot of places thumbs could go. Belly buttons. And oddly enough, any place in the body feels the same. Sweaty. So anyway, but that's the reason because he's the one that said, hey, you can do this little show. You should syndicate it on the rights, this, that, and the other, blah, 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 puts her in touch. And that's how she ends up literally the most powerful woman probably in the world. How convenient it is for uh, Oprah Winfrey to come out and start saying this stuff now, how great Ebert is, long after he's dead. Why not give him some stroke while he's alive? Yeah, why not? Uh... Ebert's not dead. That's Siskel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ebert's uh, alive still. He's the Ebert, one... Ebert should be the one that's dead. That guy, he uh, he's a heart attack waiting to happen. Well, he has had a stroke. I don't know if you've seen the show with him and the new dude. No, I can't watch it. But he does this whole thing where he has to talk on his son and it's not like this. Is it Ebert and Robert or whatever? Yeah, is that is that what it is, Ebert and Robert? I think it's uh, Ebert in the movies now. Robert, Robert in the movies. All right, 407-916-1041. They can't make anything work on this show after uh, Siskel died. Right, you know what? Giant Brian makes up a good point on AOL Instant Messenger, Real Radio Hideout. Wasn't Robert... Uh, Roger Ebert's wife, Black. Ooh, he has a uh, he has a little uh, jungle fever going. That's what he In likes. In fact, I'm almost positive that she is. Now that I think about it, enjoys the the dark side. 
All right, and Destro says this isn't. No, it's not the same as that. That's not the same thing at all, J Dubs. Oprah, you don't know the power that lies between your legs. Can you sweet, imagine? Sweet. That might be better than your uh, Louis impression. Ang! Look at that power! Ang! Deep fry it! Um, you know, he probably got the color purple Oprah, too. <laughs> You know what I mean? Not the one now. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty places on her body that are the color purple. Okay, what is that? That's <laughs> that's just racist. <laughs> no, no, I'm not like that. That's just I'm just saying Baney. <laughs> What's wrong with you? 407-916-1041-888-978-1041. So that comes out today, which is kind of... You think he call himself a purple people eater? So that comes out today about Oprah. Then apparently the other big news about her, and I don't know why she's everywhere, but now all of a sudden she's my biggest fascination. Because she has this diet. I guess she did a diet in 88 that yeah. she's now regretting. Yeah, she uh, did an all-liquid diet. Was it all she's... Ebert? <laughs> Was that the liquid? <laughs> that gives you oral cancer. That's not proven for sure. Stop spreading those lies. Yeah, 1988, she did a liquid diet, and she says uh, it was her biggest, fattest mistake. I think, yeah, again, taking a shot at Ebert. I know. Why would she go and run him down? You see the way Aniston's ha- uh, handling it with yeah. the pit? Why can't you have the same kind of class? By the way, going back to this real fast, Ebert and Oprah, another date. What's the over-under on the food bill? Mind you, Ooh, Chicago in the 80s. Chicago. Oh, I, you know they went to a deep-dish restaurant. And that's what he called her afterwards. Uh, I would I would say for the pizza, they, they spent at least 50 on the pizza. You think the two of them? Yeah, the two of them together, they could put away $50 worth of pizza of in their, in their they, payday. I'm, I'm thinking they probably went out somewhere nice, but they weren't rich the way they are now. I'm thinking the two of them threw down $300. $300 on a nice meal? Right. Fast food? All of it at Taco Bell. Have you ever done that? One time they're, I w- they're throwing they're throwing burritos in their mouth like they're Tic Tacs, you know. One time I was with my buddy in Lubbock, Texas, uh, and we had just we'd been drinking. I don't know what happened. We roll up on the Taco Bell, and and we just order. We're just ordering. You know what I mean? And then you know how it has that little thing that pops mm. up or whatever. Like the total ends up being like thirty something dollars. And it's the two of us. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And we ate it all. What'd you get? Like the family meal? We got like three family meals. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, too. We had to have probably 50 individual items <sighs> between the two of us. All right, 407 How disgusting did you feel afterwards? At that time, I was like 20-something, like early 20s. I felt great. It was like they were around my 21st birthday. Have you ever tried one of these liquid diets that uh, uh, Oprah says she regrets so much? Actually, yes, I have. Hmm. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it next. We that was a different break. liquid diet, wasn't it? We just did the joke about Ebert. Yeah, Why don't yeah, you yeah, sit yeah. there and man the talk and roll <laughs> controls? You focus on that for now. Douche chill. <laughs> Said taking us back to a joke we did four minutes ago. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back. Mm-hmm. I'd like people's guesses on our liquid diets. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041. Yeah, why she would regret a liquid diet so much. Uh, what liquid was she drinking? It's a hideout row radio, 104.1.
Wednesday night in the Hideout Real Radio 104.1 El Jefe and J-Dubs welcoming you in. Be a part of uh, this thing that we do. Greatness. 407 and Star 1041 if you have a singular wireless phone. Everyone's fascinated with the date between Oprah and Ebert. <laughs> Bong Swat Matt is insisting they probably ate a deep fried baby. And that was the appetizer. So apparently the two of them went out on a date, and that's what Oprah says she owes her success on. Do you think they met in the middle of the umbilical cord, like it's Lady and the Tramp? Chuck Jock. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Destro's saying that Oprah let Siskel and Eber run the train on her, and that's how she got famous. That's not true. (laughs) But uh, So that's the big news, and then apparently... She did a liquid diet. Now, I did one of those liquid diets. What a caboose diets. on her. I did one of those liquid diets. You did? Uh, what were you uh, drinking? I did that master cleanser thing, and it worked oh, yeah. for a bit. Now, that wasn't the only thing you were drinking, though. You were uh, eating as well. You were just using that to kind of... I can't imagine not having solid food for that entire... You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem right. Do other people do this? Well, I know a lot of times when you get your stomach stapled, you have to do like the liquid diet for a while just because your stomach can't handle anything for a little bit. And uh, also, like, if you uh, something happens to your jaw, you break it or something, you have to uh, do nothing but drink the liquid stuff. So I know, I know they do that, and there's all those uh, different shakes out there that you're supposed to be able to live off of, giving you all the vitamins and everything you need. I feel like I want to try that. Like, maybe that's what I need, a nice jaw breaking. Okay. Just that'll, tell me when. That'll help me get, help me, uh, get over this plateau that I'm at. Ladies first in the hideout when you call 407-916-1041. Angel in Orlando. What do you got, Angel? Okay, it was probably cranberry juice, and the reason why is that it actually drains your body of all of the sugars and all the water in your system. And it makes you so sick, it's to the point of where you can actually be bedridden if you keep doing it long enough. You know, I I think it was gravy, personally. You think 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 she was doing nothing but drinking some uh, sausage gravy. Um, well, the only thing is, is that to regret it that much, it had to have either made her sick or made her either gain back all the weight that she lost. Oh yeah, you know, oh, that's what she's doing. I mean, this is back in '88. She's mm-hmm. regretting it, so you know she's been back and forth with it. I would regret uh, drinking nothing but chunky monkey melted uh, ice cream. See, I did that. <laughs> I did that, and it was a very depressing weekend that I went through. But I'm fine now. I don't regret it. Yeah, yeah, you don't. You can't re- live in regret like that. I thought the whole cranberry juice thing was supposed to make you better, like it helps your kidneys. Uh, cranberry juice, is it, I, I believe it's cranberry juice, is supposed to help with your uh, urinary tract, and hence help with my fetish. This is going to help you get better and help me get off. So, we're both going to win here. And if you want, then we can switch roles, and I'll show you the kind of ecstasy that I get into. But with mine, fiber helps. All right, Charlotte in Melbourne, you're in the hideout on Road Radio. What do you got, Charlotte? You're need Hi, chest guys. Yo. Uh, the diet that Oprah was on was the OptiFast. It was a shake you had to make. I was I went on it with her in 88, and you took this shake five times a day. Now, in the, were, in, the yeah. sh- in the shake, was there uh, her own back sweat? Was that part of the shake? Was that uh, <laughs> what you were drinking there? I know that would be enough to make me not hungry. Yeah. That's a great appetite suppressant, I would think. 
No, no, no. It was good, especially if you mixed it with Diet Coke. I mean, it really tasted, it wasn't bad. But the problem is with these shakes is that Shake smells like once a you're over it and you eat regular food, it's all over. You gain all your weight back and, like in two weeks. Yeah, and that's the problem with most of these, Charlotte, is that as soon as you're done with it, you put when you go back to normal living, you put it right back on. Thank you for the phone call. All right, 407-916-1041. The shake uh, consisted only of Crisco and Creamer. I say, mmm, vanilla. Now, does it count as a liquid diet if, like Oprah, you're putting a quarter pounder into a blender? <laughs> it's liquid, isn't it? It's supposed to go right through. Oh, dude. That's my Oprah. <laughs> nice impression, huh? Dave in Orlando. I prefer the Carl Rove one. You're in the hideout on Road Radio. What's up, Dave? Oh, how you guys doing? Yo, Boop. What is up? I had another comment, but, man, what is up with these this power that Oprah has over women. This woman just said 88. She went on this diet with Oprah, like their best friend. Yeah, it's, it's like like Oprah they're buddies. Yeah. Can you imagine? It'd be like, okay, so Hefe's doing the the whatever seafood diet. I'm I'm on that diet with Hefe. You, you know, it's it's ridiculous. No, like, Oprah has amazing power. Well, over women and another like thing that. she does every month, uh, she talks about a book she really likes, and everybody goes and buys it. Exactly. Like like, a like... Fat Jedi mind trick. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. That's so true. Unbelievable. She was sending ice cream waves through the air. What, what uh, else did you have, Dave? Well, the reason I was calling is one of my clients did this thing. It's called a lap band or something. It's like putting a, you know, like those snap ties, you know, that you put on, they zip, and they, they you know, go around cables and stuff yeah. on the computer. It was like that, but they put that on the, the esophagus going into the stomach. What? Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's some sort of really weird surgery like that to shrink the esophagus, so if you don't fully chew your food or if you eat anything that's too big, you got to uke it up. And you'd think you'd get choked out by it, maybe, and it'd be very dangerous. Yeah, I, mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I was around these people when they ate, and I was disgusted because you can hear stuff like churning oh. in their stomachs while they're trying to eat, and you're like... Oh, my God. Oh, I, mean, I couldn't eat for like a day after hearing that. I was, uh, how could you do that to yourself? All right, so maybe that's the diet you get on. You go around and follow these asses yeah. who have those rings on their esophagus, and <laughs> exactly. then you can't, uh, you can't ever you eat again. 10 pounds just listening to them eat. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate the uh, phone call, buddy. Uh, Real Radio 104.1 in the hideout. All right, so Dubs, I don't know, man. I don't know what this liquid diet is. I don't know what Oprah's doing in 88. Yeah, I guess the only thing I know is she regrets it. Well, when you drink entire vats of bacon grease, <laughs> I think you regret it just because of the breath. It's like drinking a, a bottle of you know chunks of bathroom remnants. Oh, man, that's just the worst. And that's what I guess uh, Oprah smells like after a workout. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that what Oprah did for her liquid diet was going around and like getting all the stuff in the refrigerator that she wanted to eat? But quote unquote throwing it out in the garbage disposal and then somehow getting it back out of there and that was her liquid diet or her whatever her husband didn't finish he just ran through the uh, garbage disposal opened it up and chewed on that for a while. <sighs> Jeff in Orlando, you're in the hideout on Real Radio. What's up, Jeff? Hey, how you guys doing? All right, man. Hey, I had uh, my stomach stapled and I was also on the liquid control diet. Mm -hmm. Oh, bro. Yeah. I, I used to weigh 550. How did it, how did it work out for you? Oh, it worked out real good, but you know what I do for a living? I'm a cook. Oh, uh, see, and that's part of the problem. Now, what did you, you get down to after the 550? Oh, wow, I got down the lowest was like 218. Wow. Now where are you at now? Now I'm about uh, 270. 
But the thing is, they tell you, you will put some of the weight back on, so you do have to be careful. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, it's such a shock, and then when you are able to eat normal again, it kind of... Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, like I said, I've been a cook for 35 years, so, you know... I like what I do. <laughs> no, obviously. Obviously, yeah. Uh, all right, well, yeah. Th- thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it, bro. Hey, have a good one, guys. Uh, sure, too. stomach looks like an Indian burn. It's everything rubbing together. Oh, man, I really feel bad now. Just because you think about all this. I mean, I know what it's like to go through life trying to do these diets. Where do you go from there, too? Like, once stapling your stomach has failed you... <laughs> What's left? And you notice how all these things, too, like not the liquid diets, but like the thing around the esophagus and the stomach staple, it's just so you're literally forced to eat less, otherwise you throw up. Yeah, well, because you don't have the the self-control for it, you know, you are surgically making yourself uh, unable to eat as much as you want to. And that one, I think that's the laziest one of them all, because it's not like... It, it, it just proves right there that the person who got it doesn't have that, uh, like a thyroid problem or something where they have no control it's over it. It's a willpower it. thing. It's a willpower thing, and uh, they have to surgically uh, insert willpower into their stomach. You know what always gets me, and I really am pissed off about it, too, like part of my problem? Hmm. When I was growing up as a kid, we weren't allowed to drink liquids while eating our meal because, I know it's really odd, because you wouldn't finish your meal... If you got full on water, this was beaten into my head. Don't drink your water. Don't drink your juice. Wait until you're done. How many of your family members have choked in the years? I mean, and my family is obese. You eat a nice dry hoagie. You can't even wash it down. It's just getting stuck there. Right. Essentially. Sad, actually. Let me think about it. But yeah. And I'm thinking if I'd grown up as a kid saying... All right, before you eat a meal, drink a drink a glass of water. Or during. Well, after well, you take a drink, just take a sip. Well. I take a, you take a bite, you take a sip. I say you drink a glass of water before you eat, and then your thing. Uh, sip after every bite. You should be getting full quicker so you don't have to worry about putting all those calories in your body. How much uh, salt was in your guys' meals? Dude, I'm Mexican. I can't imagine that. Eating Mexican food without anything to drink. You get so dry after half of what you're eating. See, that's the problem. All right, now, Putin says drinking a lot while eating washes away the enzymes that help digest the food. But if it helps you be full faster, then I don't think it really matters, does it? I'm not saying, you know, pound water. I'm just to have something to able to soften up the food a little bit. I don't know. I feel like I would choke. All I know is we need our own personal Ebert. The one who uh, fat dude to go out and date with? Noel. We and have chunks one, for that. And one that'll get us over the way he got Oprah over. Do you think they ever did it? Do you think they did it? Yeah, do you think so? Uh, I think so. I think for her to remember this that far back and everything and not take her own credit for it. Or do you think it was something where eventually Ebert was going to hold it over her? Do you think he ever blackmailed her? I think he did hold it over. He teased her with it for a little bit. They were both uh, eating a sandwich during it. You you took it to all another line to think about. Imagine there's sex filled with chocolate syrup and marshmallows. (laughs) 
or like you know, like a sandwich with all these condiments on, just dripping all over them the whole time. Honey mustard glazing their whole bodies. Tonight on mayo and your ketchup. <laughs> Why do you always be ketchup? Because it's know, that time of the month. Because <laughs> yeah, so we're reading each other's minds. We should just do the show silently now. All right, we'll take a break, Dubs. We'll come back. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041 and star-1041 on your singular wireless phones. We're going to talk to Wayne Slater at 8 o'clock. He's the guy, uh, senior political writer for the Dallas Morning News, also the co-author of Bush's Brain, how Karl Rove made George W. Bush, and also, too, Rove exposed how Bush's Brain fooled America. So that is at 8 o'clock. There we go. Hey, you know what? Do you want to, uh, next, while well, we're already on the subject of food, do you want to go over the uh, the health violations at the football stadiums? Yeah, definitely, because uh, I'm always interested, because you, you always see these things on, like, the nightly news and everything, local news, on when they go and bust different, uh, like, uh, restaurants around town, but no one ever goes into, like, these big places where they're mass distributing food for, like, two and a half hours and see... How sloppy they do get with it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with that. 407-916-1041, It's a hideout, Row Radio 104.1. It's a hideout, Row Radio 104.1, live on a Wednesday night. I'll have and J-Dubs inviting you in. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041 and star-1041 on your singular wireless phone. That's how you become a part of the hideout. Uh, 10 o'clock, we'll talk to Madam Monkey, the hideout's expert, MidnightMonkey.com, N-I-T, about whether or not porn is mm-hmm. cheating. Also, too, uh, what's his name? William Slater? I think it's William Slater of the Dallas Morning News. Wrote a couple of books on Carl Rove. He's going to let us know about... Uh, just get us updated. Wayne Slater, I'm sorry. Father of Christian. Yes. And, um, you know, Christian Slater's mom, Mary Jo Slater, was like one of the big casting agents in Hollywood, like forever. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, real fast, I heard during the weather, cold front moving in, only a high of 72. <laughs> I'm so Chilly. happy. I'm so happy to be in Florida. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was talking to our buddy Lefty when I was driving into work. He almost died while he was on the phone because he was crossing a bridge, went over the icy patch in Flint, and his uh, his car started skidding out. I'm like, dude, it's already snowing? He's like, yeah. I go, he goes, it's 28, and the snow is just falling out of the sky like it's nothing. Yeah, that in Michigan, that's the big thing, black ice. Mm-hmm. You, you got to watch out for that. The invisible killer, they call it. I told him, oh, man, I had to roll around my windows up today with the air conditioning on. Mm-hmm. It's like 80-something, and then he wanted to kill me. A couple of emails real fast on the last thing. From the guys who run the talk and roll controls. Uh, Bateman says with the esophagus thing, Sharon Osbourne, he says, had that. Oh, is that how she lost her weight? Yeah. So I didn't realize that. And then Stedman uh, sends us an email at com. Says his buddy does the liquid diet every year for Lent, all 40 days, nothing but soup and water. Now he says the other 300 days he's a pothead, but for those 30 days, that's what he's doing. I'm trying to find out how much weight he loses, because I'm not a real big believer in that whole Lent thing. But maybe I'll do that. Remember the big thing for a while was that cabbage soup diet. 
They're all out there. Yeah, that thing was like, but that was a craze just for, I would say, six months there. Right. Cabbage soup died. Get, you get emails on it all the time uh, telling you to join up for it and everything. Uh, Gretchen. Yeah. Gretchen and Coco, you're in the high down road radio. What's up, Gretchen? Uh, I was on the Optifast diet when I was a teenager, and the, all the Optifast just drives you to want to eat food after you're on, on it for a while. And um, about four years ago, after my father's death of heart disease, I realized it was time to get my weight under control. Right. I was 376 pounds. Oof. Whoa. Yeah, no kidding. And within a year of the surgery, I lost 225 pounds. All right, so you ended up doing the diet and it ended up working out for you then, I guess. It did. And But the whole thing is it's not a magic bullet. People still need to learn to eat right because after I lost my weight, I gained back 40 pounds. I, I, my big question is on this. Uh, 375 to what did you get down to? Like uh, one, 150. 150? Wow. Yeah. Uh, how was the skin after that? Like what was going on there? I am looking at about $30,000 worth of plastic surgery. Oh, see, and that's almost the thing of you want to even just lose it slowly. So, right. So that it, it's so it's, it is so difficult. No, I know. Hey, trust me, I'm right there with you. I I have these battles. We we talk about them constantly. It's very tough for me to really really say, hey, you know, I'm sorry because I look for everything. And thank you, Gretchen, for the phone call. I was just wondering if people treat her different now with the uh, the weight loss, or if she still has like I used to be fat face. You know, like it just looks like there was you know used to be. Fat there. I want to say I saw something on television with an entire family that did the gastro thing, mm-hmm. and they all looked great with their clothes on. But they said they admitted with their clothes off they were hideous. Like oh, they said themselves, they are hideous. I can't even imagine what that looks like after that. But that that's true of a lot of people, isn't it? Your whole no, bo- no, because if you do it slowly and correctly over two years. Your body will, conf- you know, it'll get to where it needs to be. You know, it, it goes you're, through the yeah, process the, with you. The whole, uh, the whole body follows uh, what you're doing's lead. You know, but that, when you drop it that quick, your, uh, your whole body's gonna look like a sharpe puppy. All right, I'm gonna go on what I'm gonna go on the Stedman diet, because he says his buddy here loses. Mo. No, not like that. Uh-huh. Come on, he's got a baby. He said 25 to 30 pounds. That's what he does. All right, Urban's being mean. Hmm. He wanted to call that last lady Fatty McFat Fatso. Not anymore. He could have done that uh, a little while back. Now she's Thinny McThinnerston. And Urban Sassy says it probably looks like she's wearing a circus tent. <laughs> Be nice. She didn't do anything to you. Someone looks like a deflated basketball. Mine does right now, too. God, when I was up to 290, I was thinking about that, too. I can't do anything real. I really got to do it right. I gotta get rid of the stretch marks. It looks like I had a baby. It's just disgusting. Stedman. It's a good thing I have all that hair to cover it. Although I'm not as bad as chunks. Alright, you know what? We didn't even get to it. Let's take a break, we'll come back. Because we gotta stay on time so we can talk to Wayne Slater. But I want to tell you what's going on at these uh, football parks. Now Stedman, I know you're a fan of the Steelers. The craziness that's going on up at their stadium. And also too, um, just the awful, awful things. That are uh, are happening uh, at the foot, and you you figure this is going on at football stadiums. There's no telling what's going on at baseball stadiums. Imagine hockey 
where they where they literally have like you know no money to keep stuff up anyway. Right. So they're they're just you know going by the skin of their teeth. These are the health department inspection reports, and it's pretty nasty. That's next in the hideout. Row Radio 104.1. I want to bang her so bad. All right, welcome back to another Hideout Row Radio 104.1. El Jefe and J-Dubs. It is a Wednesday night in the Hideout. You want to bang this girl? No, that that's a dude. Ah. Talking Fergie. All right, I'm going to get to this because I told you I'm going to do it, Dubs. Uh, when you go out, when you go out and, like, to the circus, um, carnivals, mm-hmm. Sporting events, do you like to eat there? Their food has the most unique and delicious taste ever. Uh, carnival food, uh, when you're at a stadium, stadium food is great. I, I love all of it. I, like, the other day, uh, Misfit Matt um, brought us in the carny food. Yeah, he brought us uh, pork chop on a stick, uh, some uh, corn, dogs, corn dogs, the funnel cakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, just amazing. It's really, really good food. But you almost kind of kind of expect that it's not going to be the most sanitary of things. No, those people are traveling the country with this stuff in just like a little tin box. You know it's not safe. It's just like when you buy uh, buy food from the street peddlers, too. You know that that food, uh, there's po- possible, you know, stuff going on there. Damn it, dude. What? We didn't eat from a street vendor when we were in Manhattan. Yeah, I know. We said we were going to, too. That's a good thing. No, oh, I love street vendor food. It looks so good. Even the what was probably rotten meat just being cooked there looks so good. That's part of the allure to it. It's half rotten. Oh, man. But all boiled. Yeah. Everything's boiled. Yeah. Now I'm pissed. Now we got to go back. So anyway, I'm looking at this. Apparently these football stadiums aren't the greatest places to go eat. At least, not greatest, sanitary. Again... A little something extra adds a little flavor. Um, at Lambeau Field, mm-hmm. J Dubs, the Brown County Health Department said, "Here were the problems." Okay, hamburgers partially cooked. Now you don't mind that because you like yours uh, medium rare. Yeah. This sounds like my apartment. Utensils considered dirty or overgrown with mold. Ugh. This I mean, I think any growth is overgrown. What, is there, a, is there a certain amount of mold you can have on your silverware? All right, Sassy brings up a good point. Carnies, they have small hands and they smell like cabbage. Those small hands make delicious meals. How else are you going to make, how else are you going to string together the funnel cakes? Yeah, you need it, small fingers for that. You need to be like a little uh, Betsy Ross down there, just knitting. That's actually how they're made. Little old ladies with small hands, smelling like cabbage, tying together your funnel cakes. Enjoy it. All right, here's another one, too. Hand-washing sinks not provided with warm water. These are the violations at NFL football stadiums, particularly Lambeau Field. Debris in beer taps. 
That's pretty common, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think uh, unless you are, uh, you know, changing out that tap all the time, and you know, well, what what kind of debris are you talking about? It just says debris, probably stuff from from the tap, like uh, either that, rust or something like yeah, that, shavings or something. That's like why that. I, I always get a bottled beer at a restaurant. Oh, really? Yeah, I refuse to get uh, keg beer, even though I like it better for that reason. Aren't you a clever one? You're gonna die of that super virus that's gonna go around. Because you're so germ-phobic. I sure hope not. All right. Hand, um, food service employees licking their fingers, touching their nose, touching their mouth, and handling more food without washing their hands. That's just part of... Here's the thing, too. Let me ask you. When you're at home preparing your meal, when you touch your nose or your face or your or your mouth... Do you then immediately wash your hands before you go eat your food? No, definitely not. And when you uh, go over to your family's house for uh, for you know these holiday meals, do you think they're uh, cleaning themselves perfectly? Actually, this one time, my aunt Cha Cha. I know. It's too easy. I know. She, we went over to a house for spaghetti, and she serves it with her hands. What? And my cousins and I, JoJo and Kyle. We're like, what is going on? It's your aunt. I ate it anyway. I mean, come on. I'm a little butterball kid. Like, I'm not going to eat it. Who cares? I wouldn't eat it. Even if my own mother handed me the spaghetti with her hands, I couldn't eat it. Yeah, I haven't heard, really heard a problem with any of these lists. Uh, and when I worked in the restaurant, I did a lot of that stuff, too. One time I was uh, cutting up celery for one of the pre-made pasta sauces, and mm-hmm. I dipped my finger. And uh, I still Don't mixed... be racist. We didn't say it like that. But I still mixed up uh, all the pasta and the uh, dressing with my uh, bloody hand. Right, it's ironic you say that. It's one coming up. Um, food service workers seen putting on the same plastic gloves they'd taken into the bathroom with them, not washing their hands in the kitchen after leaving the bathroom to return to work. So basically, what's the point of having on the rubber gloves if you're just going to go to the restroom and you hold... use the rubber gloves holding yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, it makes a saltier meal. All right, let me see a couple of the other ones. All right, here's what happened in Pittsburgh, Stedman. This is in Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Cleveland. Rodent droppings in or around the food service areas. That's actually very normal for when you go to... that. This is what people freak out about, but they don't know if you, they haven't worked in these uh, places before. That happens. If you don't want this stuff to be around your food, eat at home. I don't. I don't think rodent droppings are that bad. But like a guy like chunks with blood in his, and making celery. Yeah. What's wrong with that? My blood's clean. So I think. Mm-hmm. All right. So here's another one. All right. This is at Ford Field in Detroit, Dubs. Ice cream stands shut down because they had no hand washing facilities. That doesn't sound Period. all that bad to me. Yeah. No, I mean uh, those those uh, little stands. They are. Uh, Kind of put away from the wall and everything. Yeah, they serve an ice cream like your aunt Cha Cha with their hands. I mean, they use. A hey, scooper. leave my family out of this. This is my family, not yours. Cha Cha. I know. God, <laughs> I got so many stories. Isn't there something else you can call her? I guess technically you could. Um, <laughs> inspectors found slime mold inside the ice cream machines in Cincinnati. That's what they just called it, slime mold. Nothing else in particular. And then finally, Gillette Stadium, where the uh, Patriots play. An inspector observed blood dripping into the beer kegs, with the raw meat sitting above the kegs in the cooler. 
Also noted... Must not, must not be a good cooler if uh, the stuff's dripping. Moldy salsa. Mm. And N- cha-chas. No hot water in the sinks. Employee dropped a bag of pasta shells on the floor and reused it. So apparently, you don't go and you don't eat at Lambo and you don't eat at Gillette Stadium. What's your favorite thing to get when you're at one of these sporting events? Turkey leg. Turkey leg. That's your uh, that's your main goal. Try to find turkey leg. Like whenever I go to Universal, love turkey leg and a churro. That's my favorite thing. When I was at uh, Ford Field, I had these uh, these big uh, um, chili cheese fries. With garlic on them, too, and they drenched it with so much garlic. It was the best thing I've ever had in my life. Now, do you like vinegar on your fries? Uh, yeah, only from those places, though. I, I wouldn't like that if they did it at uh, like, uh, McDonald's or something. But those uh, the vinegar on the fries at like the carnival and everything, awesome. All right, that sounds... Uh... Yeah, so anyway, there it is. Again, we talked about it yesterday, and you see the pictures of Chunks on RealRadio.fm of him going around looking the germiest things. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of life. You gotta know, and you gotta know too. When you're going to uh, a, a sporting event, you're gonna ingest something that isn't you, quote unquote sanitary. You normally wouldn't want to ingest. Right. But the thing is, you'll never know it. And that's part of the fun. All right, let's take a break, Dubs. Come back. We'll switch gears a little bit. I want an open mind here. Okay. We're gonna talk to Wayne Slater of the Dallas Morning News, and he wrote a couple of books on Karl Rove. Yeah, he co-authored Bush's Brain, How Karl Rove Made George W. Bush President, and Rove Exposed, How Bush's Brain Fooled America. Um, We'll talk to him next. Karl Rove, all over the news. Very important man. All Really behind, I say, the power that the Republicans have gotten. And I'll say this, but I'll keep an open mind. Dirty. Dirty, dirty politics. Take a break. We'll come back. It's a hideout. Real Radio 104.1. He values whose loyalty, you know, and, you know, that's the most important thing, a very important thing to George Bush, uh, he, he values, and who was with Bush before Bush himself even knew for sure that he was going to be successful politically. Now, uh, for him to get this kind of trust and, uh, you know, clout in in the bush uh in the bush circle how how did he get that like well did he do anything before he took bush uh uh to the presidency with anybody else has he uh, has he worked magic before he has worked magic he actually began work some years ago he never graduated from college he's a he's a he's a genius extraordinary political genius with wow. strategic sense never graduated from college went to several colleges ended up uh, working with a guy named Lee Atwater, who was sort of the mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah yeah the model of uh, smash mouth tough politics for the Republican Party back in the 80s, and Carl worked for the father. His actual first job was to work as a collegian, as a college Republican uh, officer in the Republican National Committee in Washington, where his job, among other things, was to, when the young Bush, George W. Bush, who was going to Harvard, would come into Washington to get the family car from his father. Then Rove's job was to give him the keys, the car keys to a purple gremlin with Levi interior, which uh, the young Bush would go and, and cruise uh, Georgetown uh, uh, yeah. without Rove. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's hitting up all the hot spots. Maybe even DuPont Circle. Um, <laughs> uh, we were in D.C. before we were here, so we're talking to Wayne Slater, the co-author of Bush's Brain: How Carl Rove Made George W. Bush Presidential, and Rove Exposed How Bush's Brain. Fooled America. He's a senior political writer for the Dallas Morning News. Now I saw was 
was the documentary that I that you see on Sundance or any of these Bush's brain is this based these are based on your books? Yes, it is based on our books. Okay, so they are scathing because some of the things cause I've seen this a number of times and it just infuriates me. Um what I see here, like you even talked about him being in the College Republicans, Carl Rove, like his big deal initially from the start was running these smear campaigns to win. I mean, I think if I remember correctly, he did that with the College Republicans, and that's how he began to really see things take off for him. He did it for an election in Texas where it was never proven, but he allegedly bugged his own office to make the other guy look bad. Can you go into some of those stories about the alleged misdoings by Rove? There is a pattern through Carl's entire political life. Uh, one of the patterns is he's an absolute strategic genius. The other is that he flies very close to the flame and that he, uh, in Texas, what we used to call it is the mark of Rove. You attack your opponent, you level your opponent, you leave no fingerprints. And you're exactly right. In the case of college Republicans, he was involved in what really was fairly, were fairly minor dirty tricks at one point. Uh, he was in working in Illinois and uh, uh, went in and stole some stationery of a guy yeah. running for treasurer of Illinois, typed up uh, an invitation to the guy's campaign office opening, which said, you know, free beer, free girls, uh, free food, free everything, made about a thousand copies of those and distributed them to homeless shelters and hippie communes <laughs> and other things and disrupted the guy's opening. Well, you know, that's funny, and that's what you do as you're a young guy. Right. But over time, what has happened is he has developed this sort of pattern in which he rarely leaves his fingerprints, but if you study the pattern, you see the same thing again and again. And you're right. He bugged his own office, allegedly, in Texas to help his client, his guy, who was a Republican against an incumbent Democrat. A few years later, when George Bush was the candidate against a popular incumbent, Ann Richards, this smear campaign... Of her being a drunkard, right? Huh? Of her being a drunkard, because I was in Texas at the time. And a lesbian. And and she surrounded herself with a lesbian, she was a lesbian, and so forth. Let me tell you, I traveled into East Texas back in 1994, and that was what I was hearing in town after town in a very coordinated way. Now, you say to yourself, well, who's to prove that was Carl? I've talked to a couple of people inside the campaign who said he was instrumental in that. But you also look at the full pattern. Look at 19, look, look at 2000 in the Republican primary in South Carolina, where there was a whisper campaign against a Carl Rove opponent. In this case, Carl was representing George Bush. The opponent was John McCain, and questions were raised in a very vigorous whisper campaign about McCain's wife, and also questions about whether they had adopted a child and whether McCain was crazy. And I, I remember the other thing, too, that I heard was about McCain having a quote-unquote illegitimate black child, which actually it turned out it was an adopted child from Cambodia, right? Uh, yeah, and, and from a Mother Teresa orphanage. Yeah, exactly. So, right. <laughs> I mean, now, uh, I have, uh, no, I, I've heard this from Carl, uh, about Karl Rove. Uh, did he run a campaign one time? And he, his uh, guy actually lost it. But uh, this guy uh, he was running against was like uh, big into uh, child charities and everything, so they made a uh, kind of a thing of him being a kid toucher. That's exactly what happened, and that was in Alabama. Among the other things that Carl did was represented a series of judges in Supreme Court races in Alabama. And one of those, to make a long story very short, his opponent was a sort of fastidious guy. In fact, it was George Wall- you know, Governor George Wallace's uh, son. 
And uh, the guy was a judge, fairly well respected. He was very interested in good family law and helping out kids mm-hmm. who've been abused and neglected and so forth. And as part of this candidate's campaign literature, there was a picture of the candidate holding the hands of a couple of kids, you know, as, uh, representing his interest in working with abused children. The Rove side who was the opposing side, began a campaign against him, suggest, a very effective campaign in Alabama, suggesting that he was a child molester. <laughs> All right. And this is the guy who the president goes to for every single, like, issue that he... That he decides, and there's a whole thing too about hey, if you're running a campaign, that's one thing, but then you're also making decisions on policy and helping doing that. I mean, that's a whole nother. All right, we're we have a funky break schedule, uh, Wayne Slater. Is there any way that we can get you to hold on and talk to you for one more break? Because I'm sure. fascinated. I'd be glad to. All right, this is great. All right, we're talking to Wayne Slater. He's a senior political writer for the Dallas Morning News, my hometown paper, co-author of Bush's Brain, How Karl Rove Made George W. Bush Presidential, Rove Exposed, How Bush's Brain Fooled America. He's been on a a ton of shows. And some of the stuff that I want to get into, maybe the CIA leak case, but then also, too, like, what does this mean for politics? I mean, if this is the guy running the campaigns and smearing everybody out of the campaigns. And doing a very good job with it. I mean, where does that leave us with potential candidates? There's so much that I want to get done. 407-916-1041, We'll come back with more of Wayne Slater in the hideout on Real Radio 104.1. Welcome back into the Hideout, Real Radio 104.1. I'll have fan J-Dubs on a Wednesday night. 407-916-1041, and Star1041 if you have a singular wireless phone. Learning about the most influential man on the president, and that's uh, his advisor, Carl Rove. And we're talking to the senior political writer uh, for the Dallas Morning News, Wayne Slater. You guys been on Meet the Press, Crossfire, Inside Politics. Now you can add the hideout. <laughs> yeah, add that one to your resume. Whenever anybody uh, wants to do a uh, interview with them, uh, he's, he's re- on the hideout. You'll uh, you'll definitely like to have him on. Reported on the Pope, Presidents Carter, Clinton, the Bushes, and now he can say he's talked to El Jefe and J Dubs. <laughs> the book, uh, Bush's Brain: How Karl Rove Made George W. Bush Presidential and Rove Exposed How Bush's Brain Fooled America. All right, so we got into like the smear campaigning, Wayne, about uh, early on and how he decided he's going to pick Bush when he was the owner of the Rangers and got him to be the president and made him quote unquote presidential. All right, how did he do that, by the way? How did he make W presidential? How did that happen? Well, I mean, it's a long, long process, and frankly, part of it is just good, hard, tough, strategic politics. Part of it is also the ability, and Carl has the ability, I think, in a way that many other political operas don't, to put together your political base, religious conservatives, some business, you know, conservative business types, uh, to, uh, to frighten people in some areas, say, uh, uh, Appalachia and others, to vote their conscience with respect to social issues as opposed to their pocketbook on issue and vote for candidates that may not be in their best interest economically. And you put together constituencies that elect a guy governor, 
and then ultimately elect him president. And, and you know, you, the other thing is he has this remarkable ability uh, strategically to change. If you remember the 2000 presidential race, George Bush was the compassionate conservative. Yeah. And there was an effort there strategically to reach out to a broader constituency. Uh, to people who were somewhat moderate. People who were conservative said, okay, he's a compassionate conservative, so he's conservative. People who were more moderate said, okay, he's compassionate, so that means he's more moderate. And it was successful. But after 9-11, in part, and other things, the 2004 race really was quite different. The campaign decided, and it was Rove who made this decision, we're going to run with the base. We're going to try to gin up the numbers of Christian conservatives, uh, uh, business uh, conservatives and others, and run a base-oriented, very conservative base motivation race in order to elect him president. It was close, but it was successful. And the whole thing, too, and it seems that Rove was a master. I know that President Clinton and the Clinton administration had their... Uh, basically, they're speaking triangle, where whenever they talk to the media or anything, they really had a message, three points. It seems like they hit the main three points in this message triangle. It seems the big thing with Rove, and everywhere you turn, whether it's coming out of Cheney's mouth or O'Reilly's mouth or the president's mouth, it's just the repetition of the constant phrases. Is, is Rove kind of behind that? Is that part of his strategy? He was absolutely behind it. I'm writing a book now that will be out next summer. Uh, it'll be entitled The Architect, and it really follows through what's, what's happened now. And one of the little elements in this book is, is exactly that, the sort of message discipline. We have never seen message discipline like this uh, in our lifetime in this country, and Rove is behind it. I remember back when Howard Dean was likely to be the nominee of the Democratic Party. He fell apart, as you remember, in late January, early February, and John Kerry emerges as the, as the nominee for the party. Very quickly, within you know, 12 hours, Karl Rove had something called a breakfast club where people would, in the campaign would meet in his, uh, his kitchen in, in suburban Washington and over uh, eggs and sausage put together the, the talking points of the day. And one of the talking points was, John Kerry is a flip-flopper. Mm -hmm. And within 12 hours, if you look at the transcripts, you see on Fox News, they began using the word flip-flopper, flip-flopper, flip-flopper. And that was in late January, early February, I think, it was, I think it was the first of February in 2004. And as you know, that whole flip-flopper line, which was very, very effective, uh, was something that began in Karl Rove's kitchen, moved to, to Fox News, and really played itself out ultimately with the Swift Boat Veterans for Truth campaign against Kerry. Now, uh, do you think the Karl Rove style of uh, campaigning and all the things he does has changed uh, the uh, the campaigning for life now? Are we, are we going to be looking at this kind of stuff happening all the time because it's worked? I think what's, what's happened is, I mean, look, if you, if you look at history, you go back to the uh, Thomas Jefferson campaign in mm -hmm. 1800, you know, they were, it was tough. The Jackson, Andrew Jackson campaign, it was tough. There have been difficult campaigns all along, people yelling at each other, people saying bad things about each other. Two things have happened that make our current situation somewhat different. One is the sort of advent of the permanent campaign. That started in about the end of the 1970s, where basically campaigns don't just start and end. They're, they're underway all the time. You got your operatives, you got your people, you got your campaigns, you got your message. Everything's going on. The other thing that's happened, which is that's not necessarily a problem. The other thing that's happened that I think is a problem is that Rove has lifted to a new level. 
the success factor of smearing your opponent. Now, again, this ain't new. This has happened throughout our political history. Mm -hmm. But Rove's entire success pattern has been this ability not simply to disagree with an opponent, not simply to draw distinctions on policy matters and sharp distinctions, but to smear the opponent. You're a lesbian, you're crazy, or in the case of Joe Wilson, Rove was involved. He may not have broken the law, but that was to undercut the messenger. You don't like the message? the messenger. He has raised that to a new level, and future campaigns, I fear, will see that this is a successful way to go. And the whole thing, you're unpatriotic. Don't you dare question, don't you look back, you're unpatriotic. We're talking to Wayne Slater, it's a hideout, Real Radio 104.1, he's the co-author of Bush's Brain, how Karl Rove made uh, President George W. Bush presidential, Rove exposed, how Bush's Brain fooled America. You get these books anywhere, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, let me ask you this, uh, final thing. All right, so as bright as Rove is, I didn't realize he wasn't a college graduate. That's really interesting. So as bright as he is, he seems to be an evil genius. Do you think um, he has a chance at all of getting you know, busted in the CIA leak case and the thing with Woodward coming out um, about he won't give up his final source and that that could be Rove? Is there any chance that Rove's going to get nailed on this? Well, there is a chance that the investigation is continuing, and there's still a chance that Rove could be indicted. It is my guess, based on people I talked to around the White House as recently as this week, that Rove believes that he has skated, that he will not be indicted in this matter. The problem is that there will still be this cloud, because even if Rove didn't break the law, he was engaged in the process of talking to reporters about Joe Wilson, Mm -hmm. about his wife and trying to undercut the guy. Uh, my guess is, and, and, and incidentally, the new Bob Woodward thing, I don't think that was Roe. That might have been the vice president of the United States. Oh, wow. Uh, whatever. We don't know. We right. don't know. But that may have been what it is. This thing ain't over. But uh, at this point, if there is a pattern with Carl, it is that he always escapes. And in this case, he might escape again. That, that has to be the most impressive thing about Carl Rove, how he is able to uh, just not have his fingerprints on anything. And then the other thing, too, I mean, he called the president, the Teflon president, I guess he's because he's got the Teflon advisor. Somehow That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. That has been his history. He has been very close. People have accused him of all kinds of things. This was the closest he has ever come because you got this federal prosecutor coming after him. And as of tonight... There's no indictment. All right. Well, Wayne Slater, uh, senior political writer for the Dallas Morning News. When's that new book coming out, The Architect, this summer? It'll be out, it'll be out uh, next summer, this, this summer coming up. It'll I, be uh, about six months. I'd love to chat with you when that one comes back around. So we can... I'd, be, I'd be happy to be with you guys. You treated me better than you did that woman from uh, Celebrity Justice, so I appreciate it. <laughs> you heard that? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I laid into her a little bit. <laughs> All right, well, I appreciate it very much. Thank you for coming into the hideout. Good to be with you. All right. <laughs> See, Oops. when we post audio, that stuff follows. Is that on the web? Is that on realradio.fm? Yeah. yeah. Oops. We need a, <laughs> no. we need a skeleton website. <laughs> no. I think he no, knew. He's cool enough to uh, come no. on and uh, well, anyway. I, I think he knew where our politics fell, too. Yeah. Yeah, here's what it is on realradio.fm. I recommend you go. And why, don't you, uh, why don't you pull that up, Chunks? Uh, we, we can't play it. Oh, really? There's a lot. Of, there's a word in there about 17 times that we've been told we can't mm. say anymore. But if you go to realradio.fm, Hefe versus Celebrity Justice, Hefe loses it, loses it on a bitch reporter from the television show. It's maybe my single most proudest moment. And uh, 
loss of con- your single biggest loss of control. But I loved it. It was. I was dying. It was so much fun. I wish we could play it for you, but we can't anymore. But you got to go to the website and listen to it on radio.fm. I would chance it after 10. Yeah, but at that point, we'll be moved on. True. Ah, that guy was great. And this is just so important because you got to realize, all right, so maybe the president, blah, blah, blah. But it's always about, like, who you surround yourself with. And if you're surrounding yourself with guys like this and shady characters, and this is the guy who made you, essentially... What does that say about you? That doesn't mean that you're as clean as you think when this guy has been pulling this gimmick forever. And when your allegiance falls that close to that guy, you know that if he mentions something or suggests something, you're going to go with it. You know, and he he has influence, major influence. Absolutely. All right, let's start doing the the row of repetition thing. Okay. Well, we may not this believe. This is the greatest show ever. Here's what it is. I'm serious. From now on, those of you listening right now are in on the bit. And here was what it. It may not be true, but we're going to repeat it so much. Eventually, it may be a year from now, but it's going to be true. Here's the new way we we term the hideout: the funniest night show in America. Mm-hmm. It's true. I actually believe it's true. All right, the funniest night show in America. And here's the other one we're going to go with. We'll just go with two. But we're going to repeat these, and we're going to hammer them, we're going to hammer them, we're going to hammer them. The other one, and stay on top of this, because we come up with these ideas all the time and never go through with them. The other one, the best nighttime entertainment in Orlando. That includes television. And other radio isn't even a consideration. You want to go listen to Incubus, you'll be back. That doesn't even include, we love them, uh, Universal and Disney. But this right here, the hideout, from now on... The great thing about Universal and Disney, you can go there with a Walkman and listen to the hideout while you're uh, riding the teacups. And that's the reason we're we're the best, because we make that experience better. So from now on, here are the two phrases. The hideout, the funniest night show in America, the best nighttime entertainment in Orlando. The hideout, on Real Radio 104.1. No! Welcome back to the Hideout Real Radio 104.1 Half Band Dubs on a Wednesday night. Hey, first of all, congratulations, Matt and Matt Mateo. The best weather ever done on the Hideout. Seriously. Already doing a kick-ass job doing the weather. Cleaning house. I haven't heard weather like that since the whole time we've been here. A kid's on top of it. By the way, you're listening to the most entertaining program. No, no, no. And at night in Orlando. You know, here's the, here's what it is. Okay, let me write these down. Yeah, here, here are the key phrases. We just decided we're going to go to the Rove School of repeat the lie enough, people will believe it. So, you're listening to the Hideout, the funniest night show in America. We could put it out to the world, but then that sounds a little too egotistical. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll do a Continental 48. Nah, please. I'm sure we have a better show than what's going on in Alaska or uh, Hawaii. And then The Hideout, the best nighttime entertainment in Orlando. All right? All right. So those are the two. From now on, the lies we're going to repeat so much, you're going to believe it. Along with be somebody. All right, see this already? Out chasing. You can keep my TV. Got to go with the best nighttime entertainment in Orlando, The Hideout. The best. Oh, boy. I love that. You wanted the best, you got it. I love the political talk, and I hope everybody just realizes how important it is. I mean, this is our country. 
It's our country. And if you don't, if you don't care about our country, then what do you care about? Oh, by the way, uh, Dubs, I mm-hmm. want to switch gears though. Okay. Because I, I, I love the politics stuff, but I saw this and it fascinated me. Police are investigating this bizarre report about a dude who is describing himself as a professional diaper changer and asked two mothers if he could perform the chore for the children. <laughs> Apparently he was driving around in a green conversion van. Interesting. I have a green conversion van. With a shaved head and long shorts. I have a shaved head and long shorts. Wait What's wrong with minute. long shorts? Wait a minute. But apparently, he walks up to this woman and asks if he could change her children's diapers. And the woman who was putting a bag of diapers in her car said, It's inappropriate. Please leave her alone. <laughs> I'm going to touch a kid. Hey. No. All right, Bong Swap Matt asks, Are you sure the guy wasn't Brian Peppers? Yes, because he was described as white, not gray, five foot ten. And about 30 years old with a crew cut, wearing blue jeans, a red and white sweatshirt. I bet he looked like Carl Rove. I bet he looked like a fat old baby. Well, maybe that's what he wanted. You know, he never, you know, he, he looks at himself, sees a baby, and sees, hey, I, I should change diapers. Look at me. I'm a, I'm a big, fat, old baby. Have either of you guys ever changed a diaper before? Yeah, of yes. course. I have little brothers. Oh. I've never done it. I don't think really? I ever, I don't think I ever will in my whole life. You don't plan on having kids? Well, that's probably because you're not allowed to be around them. What is it, a 300 foot rule? <laughs> Why would you say only on boys? <laughs> only on boys. Why would you put such false information out there? Because you like to touch kids. Because we're going to the Call Rove School of Repeating, and it's a true. Yeah. By the way, you're listening to the Hideout, the funniest night show in America, on Real Radio 104.1. Wife's job. So really, you you, you uh, find that to be the woman's job, and you wouldn't have any part of it? I was just, yeah, I just don't think I could handle it myself. And how is like that's your professional thing? Like I'm a professional diaper changer. That's not a bad thing to be doing, you know. I think uh, a lot of people would jump at that. I mean, when you think about it, like what's the definition of a professional? You can say you're a professional, whatever, I if think, you get paid for yeah, it. Yeah, I think once you receive uh, money for your service. That makes you professional. So, like, if you're at the Gap, you're a professional T-shirt folder? Yes. I did it professionally. You could be a professional flat tire changer if you work for AAA? Mm Mm-hmm. A professional car specialist. What about this? How about you're a professional sack shaver if you're the guy who shaves the junk at the uh, Florida hospital? I want to meet that guy because I have a hard time with mine. You need someone else down there. Yeah. If there's a professional for that, I will pay good, hard money to get that done for me. Now, here's the ironic thing. As I tie all this together, uh, diapers are like Rove, and they're full of crap. (laughs) (laughs) All right, how about this? Can you be a professional masturbator? Uh, Yeah, if you're uh, paid as a donor. I'm ranked number one in the world. I thought that was arm wrestling. Oh. Arm wrestling yourself. All right, never mind. All right, so we're amateurs at punching the clown until we get yes, a donation. We are still able to do it in the Olympics. We haven't received money for it. We're amateurs. We can still uh, get in the uh, punching the clown Olympics. All right, then we got to get in somehow. 
407-916-1041-888-978-1041. Star 1041 on your singular wireless phones. All right, so this guy's running around saying he's a professional diaper changer. All right, this made me think, what are some of the weird fetishes out there? Because this has to be some sort of a fetish. There are plenty of odd fetishes out in, uh, especially in our culture. Like, us in Germany have to lead the world in fetishes. Why do you say Germany? Germany, they, they always have uh, the fetishes coming out of Germany. And if you ever, uh, like, uh, go online, if you see the weird, weird fetishes, it's always coming from Germany. The wound banging? No, 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 no. Whoa, what? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. That's real? Oh, yeah. You never seen a, a German sex video like that? All right, I want to hear, because I know, I know you guys know about some fetishes. Let me hear it. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041. I've even heard of some where, like, you're, you're getting it on with an armpit. Really? Yeah. All right, you know what? I'm gonna see if I can. Let's see if we can find some of these. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Again, you're listening to the best nighttime entertainment in Orlando, The Hideout, Row Radio 104.1. It was cool, but it was all pretend. Yeah, yeah. Since you've been gone, you're dedicated. All right, welcome back into the Hideout, Real Radio 104.1. The funniest night show in America. I'm El Hefe, and that is J-Dubs. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041. or Star-1041. I'm not going to point out every time you flub. I just don't. I mean, we want people to call. I don't want them dialing 9078 and getting Japan. It's on. Oh, it's on. By the way... You said Germans being the freakiest? Yeah. But I think the Japanese are the freakiest. Yeah, there's a whole, uh, like, a suppressed sexual angle going on there where they can't, like, they aren't able to be as freaky as they want to be, so it kind of draws them into uh, odd things. Do you guys like that in the, uh, I think it's the Japanese porn, that they blur out the... Uh... Yeah, they, they uh, totally blur out the uh, any kind of uh, skins being going. Yeah. No private areas being shown. That's why they do the the anime porn a lot because they can show the parts and everything going on. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's why they're really big into that because it's the only time you can really see it going on. Okay, we're talking about these fetishes, and I got a list of some of them. Also, I've heard in uh, Japan they had those uh, those vending machines with dirty underwear. What? Yeah. What do you do with it? Use as a gas mask. <laughs> with it. Okay, is this armpit thing real, Dubs? Yeah. It's definitely a real one. All right, because Out Chasen says he did a chick in the knee jam once back in the <laughs> 80s before it was the armpit 90s. <laughs> knee jam. Well, you're an innovator, my friend. Sinatra in Orlando, you're in the hideout of Rural Radio. What do you got, Sinatra? Yeah, I got two for you. One, I'm in my local mom-and-pop rental place, and I'm in the adult section. And there's actually a tape in there for people who like to do it with amputees. Yes, okay. amputee porn. I've seen that many times. I actually have seen it. It's called acrotomophilia. 
person yeah. who is sexually aroused by the sight of an amputation, usually of a whole arm or leg. I'm in it. Yeah, it's, it's gross as hell. I swear, the title of the tape, I swear to you, it was called Hump a Stump. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's epic, Sinatra. Thank you. <laughs> and get me a copy of that ASAP. Um, that's going to be the title of our new show, <laughs> if we ever move on. Okay, here are a couple of these that our new uh, great producer, Matt, Matt Mateo, found for us. Um, let's see. All right, here's one. The person is sexually aroused by putting themselves in situations in which they may get killed. They is that part of, like, the rape thing and everything, when they have those, those fetishes? They feel they have to be in danger in order to get aroused. Unfortunately, many of them get killed in the process. <laughs> this is auto-asa-asinophilia. Uh, why, why would they make it uh, that, that difficult to say? I don't know. It could be really easy. Right, a lot of these... All right, here's one. Dude, look at this one. Catheterophilia. What do you think that one is? I can only guess because I know what a catheter is. Getting, they get excited by the thought of uh, the placement of a catheter. Oh, I don't know how in the world that one could uh, make you. I get excited about uh, thinking about kicking someone who has a catheter, but uh, not I, actually having one myself. I, could you imagine getting one of those at one point? And what's the... I wouldn't even want to live. What if it's a hot nurse putting it in? No, Oh, no, man. That doesn't... Oh, that doesn't change it at all. That is seriously... That hurts. Well, if the catheter part wasn't there, it'd be hot. Yeah, but the the problem is the catheter, douche chill. I choose to see what I want to see. All right, so hideout, Real Radio 104.1. I, I think the boys are back there looking at porn right now. Uh, they are. Putin is pulling up the pictures. I think he sent it to one of you guys, and I about want to throw up. Yeah, I got it. The amputee porn. Come here and look at this chick, Dubs. I think we've seen this one before. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one before. Now, she's a little furry, but of course she is. <laughs> How is she going to take care of herself? <laughs> Who's going to shave She has no arms or legs. She can't even do it like a, a monkey would. All right, Marv says he gets excited about a mother and daughter team. Of course, that makes you a guy. Your fetish is being a dude. That isn't over the top. All right, look at this, the AOL Instant Messenger, which I'm manning tonight because uh, Chunks' computer's gone because he uh, downloaded too much KT porn. Oh, Chunks. Hasn't been proven that it was me. Chunks, Chunks, Chunks. People are telling me the auto-asphyxiation thing is a big one. Mm -hmm. Is that where you're choking yourself out? Yeah. All right, here's, all right, here's one. All right, this is one that Tommy is probably into. Um, these uh, heterophonophilia, these people are into uh, dangerous stuff. They're, they get aroused by attempts, not just thoughts of killing someone. Putin's over here pulling up pictures of amputee men now. All right, that's the one I want to see. <laughs> Mo. I'm sorry, I'm fascinated. Ah, oh, dude. All right, Megan and Winterhaven here in the hideout on Real Radio. What's up? 
Hey, I am just on my way home. I just finished filming a fetish porn. All right, now keep it clean. Are, are you uh, the star in it? <laughs> I did a little bit of work on camera, but most of it was actually doing the filming. Okay, well, what, what was this, and how come we weren't invited? Well, it's in Tampa, which is probably why you weren't mm. invited. Oh. But it was it was actually for um, a foot fetish. I mean, the stinkier, the better kind of foot fetish. Oh, wow. All right, you know what? I've heard of this one. There's, right, what, I saw this one a second ago. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. Um, all... Factophilia. The person is uh, gets excited by body smells, usually underarms, feet, crotch, uh, etc. Exactly. exactly. It's the pheromones is what it is. But that's there's not, no pheromones coming off your feet, sweetheart. That's not pheromones. <laughs> that's in the sweat. That's what he says. Were any uh, footies given? Can you say that? Yes. Did you uh, give one? And my feet aren't that talented. Mm. Have I, you ever tried? You want to practice? I've tried, and it just doesn't work. <laughs> really? I, that's awesome. You're doing that kind of stuff, huh? Are you getting... I'm, I'm open with all that stuff. Why not try it, or you won't know if you like it? No, no, absolutely. Why don't you come up here, and you guys can film in the studio. We can have a lot of fun. I've I can... got a bad case of, case of athletes, Dugan, so uh, I don't know yeah. if I can... <laughs> We, I can do anything. We can direct. All right, thank you, Megan. Appreciate that. Anytime. All right, four, yeah, seriously, send me an email. Uh, 407-916-1041, 888-978-1041. Uh, all right, look at this one. This is a crazy one. Um, symphorophilia. Natural disasters are sexually exciting. So you're uh, watching uh, a natural disaster on the TV, and you're just running one to it. I mean, so you got to think, what is it, June to November, and hurricane season has to be the best for these guys. They're just constantly going. And how is that sexually exciting? What, like the a hurricane and maybe the eye of the hurricane? Is that what it is? We've got the wind blowing, and it's it's intense. That, uh, that hurricane really has a brown eye, and I'm uh, really digging it. Oh. Chuck Jock. Yeah. What? It's an eye joke. Can't do those anymore? Right. Actually, sadly, no. All right, here's one I think another one Tommy would be into. I only say this because he's not here. Somnophilia. A person can only maintain uh, excitement while having sex with someone who's sleeping. If the person wakes up, they lose interest. (laughs) However, I think Tommy would want them to pretend like they're playing dead. Don't breathe. All right, here's one. Uh, Geronitophilia. Person can only be excited by a person who is significantly older. At least 15-year difference between their ages. That's one for Putin. That's him and his uh, old lady, literally. I thought they were like 30 years apart. All right, here's Chunks's. Mysophilia. Person gets excited by dirt, mud, or filth. Come on. So is that what you're doing? Because we have the pictures on RealRadio.fm of your of the pink monster, your car, and of your uh, of your apartment. Yeah, but I don't make love to him. Well, the car maybe, but you're, not the room. You never made love to your nest. No. Well, I you never I, grind up against it. I guess maybe some you know reminiscences. No, all right. Yeah. I don't want to hear about it. So I I guess maybe you're right then. All right, four zero seven nine one six one zero four one triple eight nine seven eight one zero four one. Okay, some of these guys want to share these. 
I know Matt, Matt Mateo screening the phones, and I think he's doing an epic job. But let's go through these and screen them for FCC reasonings. Make sure they're all good, and we'll get to them when we get back. When we get when we get back. Um, more of that, J Dubs. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041 and star-1041 on your singular wireless phones. I got a couple of these other two of these fetishes. Because then you hear about the plushies and that kind of thing. Yeah, the people like... Uh, but that seems tame and, compared yeah. to the catheter stuff. The the plushie thing, when I first saw that, I thought it was the oddest thing ever. But these are uh, taking the cake. So Hideout, Real Radio 104.1. So Hideout, Real Radio 104.1. 407-916-1041-888-978-1041 and star-1041 if you have a singular wireless phone. Going over these fetishes, uh, this St. Sweet Tea says, I just want to let you guys know after listening, I am pretty sure this is the funniest nighttime talk show in America. And by the way, anyone who questions that obviously hates the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. And keep that in mind. Yeah, too. you can't hate the Statue of Liberty. And if you hate the hideout, you hate that. And he's sending me unicorn orgy porn. So thank what? You. Yeah, I don't know. We're just talking about these fetishes. How's the unicorn involved? As the male, fi- as the male figure in it? Hey, man. Or as the female side? All of it. Hmm. All of it. When you really put it to a, uh, to I, test. I hate unicorns. Big Cam, you're in the hideout on Real Radio. What do you got, dude? What's up, guys? Yo. Um, seriously, I don't understand how anyone can get excited by a catheter. Uh, I had surgery a couple years back, and I had to have one administered, I guess I should say. Yeah. And, you know, it's not so bad, the administration, because at least I was out. But then you wake up, and you feel like you got to take a whiz the whole time it's in. Oh. And, oh, dude, that's just really maybe the worst things. That and passing a kidney stone or whatever it is. Well, you feel like you feel like there's a garden hose in there, number oh, one. Right. And then number two, the worst part is when they t- when they remove it. And... You know, it, it's like you gotta just clench it and just take it. You uh, know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh. no. All right, thank you, Big Cam. And I'm sorry, <laughs> dude. That sounds awful. Seriously. You know, that's just one guy's opinion. I've talked to many nurses, and they say a lot of guys actually get uh, excited during this. Well, I didn't... I didn't say there weren't freaks out there. That's why there are some of these fetishes. I think a normal dude thinks that's probably the worst thing on earth. Normal dude. I know. I'm like I had to stand up, and I'm moving around because of that. It's so stupid. Um, I'm just excited. Oh, that's what you yeah. Mean. So I, I have to walk with my books in front of me. I right, here's someone who knows about this. Doogie Tarantino, hideout heretic. Doogie. Hey, how you guys doing? Right. Uh, there's a couple that I found here in the Encyclopedia of Unusual Sex Practices that I thought you guys might be interested I, in. I leave it to you to actually own that. <clears throat> of course. All right, now the more tame of the two would be called dendrophilia, and that refers to those who are aroused by trees. And apparently there was an ancient <laughs> fertility rite where on high holy days men would go out into the fields and they would produce product right. on, okay, onto I, the trees. I got gotcha. you. Oh. That's, that's, that's the easier of the two to take. I can almost understand that myself being in landscaping. Yeah, I mean, I, then we come on. I've seen a nice uh, oak that I would say, hey. Oh, looking yeah, pretty good. Did you say being in landscaping, you're an ass? That's so well, I can understand it, is all I'm saying. I'm not into it, but I can understand it. Now, the other fun one here is called formicophilia, and that refers to those who are into the use of insects, ants, flies, that sort of thing. Uh, they prefer for them to either crawl on specific soft parts of the oh. body or they just use them as a fear tactic to intimidate others. And then it goes into deeper, more really disturbing things, 
that I can't even mention on the radio. No. But, hey, good yeah. job with that, Doogie. I appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely no problem. I will talk but to I... you soon. Doogie Tarantino, nice. All right, 407-916-1041, Here's a fetish that I discovered last night. That's lying in a hospital bed in India having your eyeball eaten out by a bunch of ants <laughs> while you cry for an entire 36 hours and the nurses say, hey, it's normal. <laughs> I don't know if this counts as what uh, Doogie was just talking about, but the other day I was trying to take care of business and a roach was in there. And I couldn't do it that with a roach watching me, so I had to squash him in the process. Okay, you saw that on the practice.